Cliff Kingsbury fired as the Arizona Cardinals head football coach. And we are, let me see here, just before I say anything, make sure it hadn't already dropped on Twitter.com. We're awaiting Devon Sears' announcement. And any moment now we expect to hear where Devon Sears, a sooner target, Oklahoma. will play college football. Oh, did he choose Oklahoma? Yes, he there just announced uh, he has he has committed to Oklahoma. All right, there you go. Oh man, Oklahoma. All right, so add Devon Sears to the mix for the Oklahoma Sooner defensive line, and. We were going through this a little bit earlier in the show. Breaking? Do we have a breaking news sounder? Uh, so what would you thing, like? I don't know. I want to create one. How's that? Can I make one? Can I be allowed the creativity, uh, the creative control of a station slash network idea to come up with a breaking news sounder? I like it. Not going to lie. I like it. So the last... Note that Texas State, he's a transfer in from Texas State, retro sophomore, had him at 6'2", 290. He had a junior college stint at Ellsworth Junior College, where he earned all Iowa Community College Athletic Conference honors. The numbers aren't going to wow you because he's a defensive tackle. 15 tackles, couple of sacks, five and a half tackles for losses in five games in junior college. Then last year, uh, decent numbers for a defensive tackle where he had three and a half tackles for losses, had a sack, and finished with 15 tackles. Again, not going to be numbers that you go, oh, my gosh, we've got this quarterback killer. But in the same vein, Josh, that's not really what you see very often from defensive tackles. The Aaron Donalds, the Indomitian Sues are few and far between. And even, I mean, you look at – Jalen Carter's numbers this year and they're not necessarily the type of numbers that would just wow you for a guy that many people are talking about as the number one overall pick in the draft yeah it's going to be hard to evaluate defensive tackles a lot of times just based on just based on generally speaking the statistics right I mean sure you, you really got to flip the film on and yeah TFLs sacks we, we could see that and there's a couple of guys that are just so disruptive that it, it it wows you. It's obvious, right? But, uh, you know, someone in a limited set of snaps at Texas State that, that was productive. And the bottom line for Oklahoma is there just was a serious, serious need at defensive tackle. If you can supplement uh, what, you're, what you've got coming back with an Isaiah Coe, we think with uh, Wright, with Kelly, this is, uh, this is great news. Somebody that's played college football, that's what – I've continued to harp on for the transfer portal plank. This is this is the idea of what you want it to be for Oklahoma. Well, Somebody that has produced, right? Exactly. Someone that goes out there and, and has made plays. So, well, you know, portal talk is big story number five, so let's get after it, Josh Elmer. Uh, it's time for the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day. Yes, it is, as soon as I can be productive here. Oh, I'm sorry. It's time for so the top five contact. stories of the day. I like this. 
Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Not only is the text line not pulling up, and now I can't see whenever Josh is ready, I apologize. Newcastle Casino, that's where we're hanging on a Monday. Uh, they're going to have the national championship game tonight right here at Front Row Sports Bar and Grill. My man Jackson is going to be grinding away for you. Great drink specials all day long. And obviously, you name it, Blackjack, Baccarat, uh, OTB, Off-Track Betting. They've got Gulfstream that is about ready to start race number three on the day. You can wager on that in the OTB. It's all here at Newcastle Casino, newcastlecasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. Portal Madness, baby. Portal Madness. Oklahoma has added officially the ninth player out of the portal after the Rondell Bothroyd commitment yesterday. He's the edge rusher out of Wake Forest. And, again, that's the position he played at Wake Forest. Had some pretty impressive numbers for the uh, Demon Deacons. Devon Sears who is a guy that we've talked about quite a bit through this process, uh, 6'2", 290, comes in after his redshirt sophomore season. So by my math, two years of eligibility left, potentially, maybe a third. I don't know. I don't know anybody's eligibility. Three and a half tackles for loss. Had a, a sack last year, a couple in his careers. Juco kid that worked his way back up through Texas State. Now Oklahoma adds him to the mix in that defensive line rotation, which means, Josh, through the portal, Oklahoma has added Austin Stogner, tight end out of South Carolina. Um, according to his Twitter feed, they also have an offer out to Jake Roberts. Speaking of tight ends out of North Texas, no word if he's accepted that offer or not. But Austin Stogner, Deshaun McCullough out of Indiana. They brought in the kicker from Central Michigan, Luke Elzinga. Oklahoma State defensive lineman Trace Ford, Texas Tech safety slash DB Reggie Pearson Jr., interior defensive lineman Jacob Lacey out of Notre Dame, Caleb Schaefer, the offensive lineman out of Miami of Ohio, Rondell Bothroyd, who is out of Wake Forest, and now Devon Sears. So that's one, two, three, four, five guys that have played defensive line, three of those who have been edge rushers. We'll see what their positions look like when they get here. Uh, One guy in the secondary that, you know, brings some experience. So I think the Oklahoma Sooners realized, Josh, they needed to get a little bit better when it comes to getting after the quarterback, and that's been a major focus in this portal season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what type of impact players both Lacey and Sears are at Oklahoma. If if, If it's ding, ding on both. All of a sudden, you pair that with Cohen, some of uh, what Oklahoma has coming in, uh, either just on campus as part of the 22 signing class or the 23 signing class. And all of a sudden, the interior, things start getting a little more exciting at Oklahoma. I like this a lot, man. I'm not going to lie. I like this a lot. Uh, I think the if I'm, if I'm sitting here today, and obviously a lot of Sooner fans, right? If I'm an Oklahoma Sooner fan – I'm really excited about what Oklahoma has added in the last 24 hours, right? The numbers on Bothroyd are impressive. 30 tackles, six sacks, eight tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. In 2021, 63 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss, and eight sacks. Now, listen, he'd been in college for a minute. He's had a five-year career at Wake Forest, 
But in those five years, 16 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles. So he was considered the 27th overall transfer prospect, according to On3 Sports. And you add him last night, and now you bring in Devon Sears today. Now what's left? I mean, you, you think it's all in on a wide receiver target to see if you can get Broden, Anthony, um, I think, again, I haven't seen anything official from Dante Cephas yet, uh, though everyone has kind of projected that he's going to pit. I don't know if he's officially announced it yet. I know he hasn't on his Twitter feed. But now it appears like those two missing pieces in the portal would be a receiver and maybe one more offensive lineman. Does that seem right to you? Yeah, we know that Oklahoma is obviously involved with Walter Rouse, so there's the offensive tackle right there if you can – Land Rouse, and then, yeah, I think multiple wide receivers you would take if you can. The offer sheet would indicate that that's the case for Oklahoma. I love some of the young talent at linebacker, but I don't think it's the craziest idea if there is one veteran linebacker out there trying to shift and shuffle around. I don't think that's crazy either. I know you went and got McCullough, who can probably float around and play linebacker or cheetah or just be a stand-up edge rusher for you. I think one more name there wouldn't be uh, the worst idea, but they're in a good place, man. They have really supplemented defensively. You know, when this – gosh, wait, look, I don't want to get carried away on this because we have um, four other stories that we want to talk about. But when this portal season started, right, I know there was a lot of you that – You wanted to see they better go get a quarterback, and they better go get this, and they better get a wide receiver, and they better get in. If they don't do this, we need to get like 15 guys from the portal. And and my push has always been, you know, I I don't think you're quite going to see those numbers like you did last year when, what was it, 13? But I'm not going to lie, at nine, which is unofficially what we have right now, that's right about where I thought it was going to be, maybe even one or two more. Um, and I think they do want to add one or two more. I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think that, you know, I don't know if you're going to have double-digit names out of the portal every single year. I, I, I know that you'll at least, I think, have, you know, four to six dudes that you might try to go get to add two things and maybe fill in some holes. But this – this seems a little bit more targeted, maybe, than last year's portal seemed to be. This seems a, and I'm not trying to dump on anyone by any stre- stretch of the uh, imagination that's a, uh, that came in from the portal last year, but there were some times late, and, and they, got, they got some home runs, right? C.J. Colton was a good get. We talked a lot about him. Didn't get to see him consistently all year long. But I felt like this was a year, Josh, where, you know, agree or disagree with me, they were a little bit more on the upper end of dudes. It was more about, all right, what what can we get as far as elite talent? And it's not to say they didn't try to do it last year. I think they tried like crazy. And, you know, they're trying to get elite talent at the wide receiver position this year. But I just – I feel they've hit on a few more of their targets than maybe they did last year. And then in that, you're not necessarily having to, I don't know, take a take a chance on a few guys. Maybe throw a 
throw a, a life preserver out and say, all right, well, let's, let's bring in this Trey Morrison kid and see what he can do or, you know, whatever it might be. You, you, you were able to have a very kind of focused approach, and I think it's, I think it's really worked out, man. They've got some dudes. I mean, and that's, by the way, now back-to-back years where, you know, I kind of dump on maybe some of the things that they were unable to do in the portal last year, but where is this team without Tyler Guyton out of the portal last year? Where is this team late without C.J. Cole? Obviously, where is it without Dylan Gabriel? I mean, those were three dudes, and including your starting quarterback now, who were integral pieces, Josh, out of the portal for Oklahoma last year. Now you're adding in guys in Sears and Bothroyd, I'm sorry, Bothroyd, over the last 24 hours that you think are going to be able to be more specific and help them in positions that truly showed as need positions last year. Well, the staff, right, had an idea that they needed help and they needed immediately last offseason just based on the fact that, look, there were some defections and Brent Venables came in. He watched the tape. I'm, You know that he did front to back. But it is a little bit different this year that you've been here since December, right? You've been here a full calendar year. And, oh, by the way, you coach this team – to six and seven you were in the trenches with this group from from the winter on right so it would figure to reason that these transfer portal additions Oklahoma while yeah Brent Vittables and his staff had an idea what they needed they, they we hope right will have identified and should have had a better idea of what this team needed now having directly coached the team to uh the six and seven mark this season so you hope that these portal ads that they brought in plank that they've gotten the right fits schematically uh just the right fits from a production standpoint what this defense needed they've been aggressive man there's no doubt about that all right um let's hustle through the rest of the top five again breaking news devon sears has committed to the university of oklahoma the transfer from texas state will come in and join a group of nine transfers right now and at least by my math, of those nine transfers, four to five on the defensive line, two of them on the interior. Speaking of breaking news, big story number four. Number four. Listen, man, I got to give credit to my man Jackson. He pointed it out. He let me know here at Front Row Sports Bar and Grill. Cliff Kingsbury is out. So I set the over-under, Josh, at six for coaching moves. We're at five right now. Houston fired Lovey Smith. Denver moved on before the season was even over from Nathaniel Hackett. Did Matt Rule even get to the fourth game of the season? Indy moved on from Frank Wright and were terrible since. And Arizona from Cliff Kingsbury. I'm telling you right now, I am not ruling out the Raiders making a coaching change. Because I think... I think Mark Davis wants Tom Brady. I think there's two things that Mark Davis desperately wanted whenever he bought the Raiders. He wanted John Gruden to be his coach, and when he saw that Tom Brady was available to be his quarterback, he wanted Tom Brady to be a quarterback on the move outside of New England. He wanted Tom Brady. Now, John Gruden shot down the deal for Tom Brady, and Mark Davis was okay with it, because it was John Gruden, and it was his guy. Mark Davis cannot stand Derek Carr. I don't know why. I don't know what Derek Carr did to him. Can't stand him. Maybe it's because he didn't win enough, and that's fine. That's fair. 
But I personally believe if the Raiders either don't get Tom Brady or in some way, shape, or form it gets there that Brady would come but he doesn't want to play for McDaniels, I'm telling you, Josh, I am not ruling out the Raiders making a move. But outside of that, what, Sean McVay and his potential retirement is an interesting angle to follow, right? I don't see it. Washington doesn't look like they're going to make a move. I mean, Mike Rabel's pretty much running the show in Tennessee right now, and Kevin Stefanski and the Browns don't appear to be moving anything. So where's that next move, in your opinion, going to come from if we're going to get to six? I'm with you. I think the Raiders are a definite candidate in that regard. I kind of feel like if they were, though, the the move would have maybe already been happened. made by now. Yeah, right. I kind of think it would have already been made, but definitely not ruling that possibility out. What about for you? I mean, if not the Raiders, what's what's the next uh, name you're watching? Cleveland is Stefanski, I, I think, is one, though – Again, this was a year that they had kind of punted on, and they don't have a lot of draft capital going forward. So I think Cleveland, I still think it's worth keeping an eye on Washington, even though they should give Ron Rivera all the money. You know, what if Dallas gets beat this weekend against Tampa Bay? And knowing that Sean Payton's name is floating out there and that Denver has already had an opportunity to to start talking with the Saints on what it might look like trade-wise, I mean, is that a... Is that a yes. place, is that a team worth keeping an eye on? Absolutely. No doubt. If they go out and drop a stinker to the Bucks and, and they're one and done, then absolutely. Because there's mutual interest. You know right. that Jerry Jones has to be sitting there thinking, okay, what's the next great thing if this doesn't work out? And Peyton, we see, we've seen the feelers kind of get floated out there into the media. He's interested in Dallas. Right. All right, um, we got to hustle. Big story number three. Number three. Any big takeaways from yesterday? The playoffs are set. You know, next weekend, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Here's your playoff schedule quickly. On Saturday, the first game of the day is Seattle at San Francisco. The Seahawks get in thanks to Detroit rallying to beat Green Bay last night. Welcome to the off season of what will Aaron Rodgers do? Primetime on Saturday night will be the Chargers at Jacksonville. Then on Sunday, Miami at Buffalo is the noon game. Minnesota at the Giants at 3.30. And then primetime is Cincinnati versus Baltimore. And the next Monday night football is Dallas at Tampa Bay. So you get the one-seed Philly in the NFC, the one-seed Kansas City in the AFC. Though, if KC ends up in a situation where they play the AFC championship game against Buffalo, looks like it's going to be Vegas as the neutral field is one report. They asked Indy, but Indy couldn't do it. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think we have to get there first. Anything really catch your eye or stand out to you from this weekend? And Indy couldn't do it because of uh, what? A volleyball tournament. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. That was Indy couldn't do it. And Pat McAfee had this report. Apparently, they have like a national volleyball tournament that comes to town. So That's cool. Yeah. Good for them not yeah. pivoting on that. That's that's actually that's yeah. important. I think one of the big storylines for the AFC is a couple of the quarterbacks. Are they going to play or not for Miami and Baltimore? I don't think Tua plays. I think there's a chance Lamar Jackson plays. How much of what Lamar Jackson is doing, though, is strategic by Baltimore over the last few weeks? And how much of it is him, though, saying, ah, oh, coach, I can't go? You know, is he playing a, a – a, 
contract game right now? I don't know. Hey, am I being soft if I say I don't think Tua should step on the field again this year? No, I, d- I don't think that that's quote-unquote soft. I think that he's had some scary situations this season, and it is what it is. Knowing what we know right. about head injuries today, it, it has to be a consideration both for Tua Tungabailoa, I would hope, that his representation is – at least presenting to him, hey, do you want to continue to risk this? And Miami, as an organization, they have to think about what the next move for them could potentially look like. Right. Hmm. All right, uh, listen, we got tons still to get to from the NFL. That might be a lot of the show tomorrow. Uh, but, again, breaking news, big story number five, Devon Sears has committed to Oklahoma. Uh, over the last 24 hours, the Sooners have added the defensive tackle from Texas State, Devon Sears, and Rondell Bothroyd out of Wake Forest. We'll have more on that coming up in just a bit, but big story number two. Number two. Man, what a 24-hour stretch for Oklahoma Sooner basketball. The men go on the road and win in overtime over Texas Tech by final score of 68-63 to to earn its first quad one win of the season, while the OU women knock off Iowa State at home 82-79. And since we're on Sooner Sports, how about KJ Kindler's crew. She'll be in with us on uh, tomorrow. On Saturday night, they won the Super 16 in Vegas by knocking off Michigan, UCLA, and Auburn. Big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, we're way behind because of the Devon Sears news to start this hour. So let's grab a break, and when we come back, let's dive into TCU Georgia. It's the national championship game tonight. All kinds of options to watch on ESPN and ESPN Plus and alternate streams. But we'll talk about the matchup finally next right here on The Ref. All right, listen, um, the whole show has been committed to some Oklahoma football news from over the weekend, and we ended up with a lot of news, man. Uh, You got Marvin Mims since we last hit the air making his decision to go ahead and turn pro. You have the – well, we had a chance Friday because Dylan Gabriel pretty much made it official on Thursday – in the span of 24 hours, Oklahoma has added two major additions through the transfer portal and Rondell Bothroyd, and the defensive end edge rusher out of Wake Forest, and Devon Sears, who we assume is going to be an interior guy out of Texas State. So I was, I was trying during the break before we get into TCU and Georgia, I was trying to kind of figure out what that interior of the defensive line is going to look like for next year. So... I think, keyword here, I think Jordan Kelly still has a decision to make, right? I think. Um, But as far as defensive linemen are concerned, um, I I wouldn't imagine that it ends up in a situation where anyone is shifting inside, right? But what, names like Kelvin Gilliam Jr., 6'3", 293 right now, Grayson Halton, Jordan Kelly, um, I, I won't lie to you. Obviously, Isaiah Coe coming back. I I thought Corey Roberson was going to be a dude, Josh. I, re, I did. He and, made some plays in the past before this year. Yeah. It, it was, I, I've heard Murdoch talk about him quite a bit on the unofficial 40. I kind of thought that he would be a guy, too, that we might see play a little bit in the bowl game. I, I can't help but wonder if he's pretty, if he's hurt, if there's something that 
you know, is going on there that, you know, hasn't necessarily been public because he wasn't, you know, a Jalen Redmond or a dude that was getting a lot of snaps. But, you know, every so often you'll look and you're like, ah, what's he he up to, right? Not in the portal. Not a guy that's even talked about going in the portal. So, and didn't, I, I mean, I don't have snap count, but, bro, I don't remember him being on the field this year. I mean, I I saw him dressed out at the bowl game, and I'm not going to lie, I felt like that was one of the first times I'd even seen him dressed out this season. Now, uh, Shep would be able to probably answer that better than me from his view up top, but it's just he went from being a guy that I thought we might see something of to completely disappearing. So with, with those names I just mentioned, and then you add in the, the newcomers, though I don't think you ever really count too terribly much on a newcomer to be involved in the interior of the defensive line, I, I think you suddenly feel a little bit better about the way things look depth-wise in Todd Bates' room when, when and if you want to rotate guys as much as it appears. I don't want to say as much as. What you would like to be able to do in that position. Yeah, you're going to need to be able to do that at defensive tackle especially, right? Up there. Mm-hmm jockeying, fighting with uh, some of the most physical guys on the football field, which is sure. a center, interior offensive lineman. As many as many able bodies as you can have up front right there, you're going to need. And Jeffrey Johnson, of course, is 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 uh, gone from Oklahoma. So we'll see how this plays out for the Sooners. They clearly identified two uh, names right here on the interior that they felt could help them in both Lacey and Sears, and they got it done. Yep. Shep, Shep agrees. He's like, I never saw him. I never saw Corey Robertson this year. Uh, he, um, According it, to what I'm looking at game. on PFF, did not take a snap. There you go. So I don't even know. Uh, I don't see him in the portal. I don't see him anywhere. I, I don't know if he factors in that mix or not. Or not. I will say, I with these two additions in the portal, you would hope that that gives Derek LeBlanc and Ashton Sanders time to develop. I think both are – development guys that you bring in and well by the way i think you're most of your freshman class are dudes that will need some time to develop but in leblanc and sanders i think those are guys that i'm glad they're in early but i don't think you look at them and say those are guys that factor into the rotation now again to be fair i I don't think we looked at our mason thomas whenever he came in last year and on signing day factored him into the defensive end rotation, and lo and behold, he became that guy. So, again, good gets for the Sooners, and trying to figure out what DT looks like next year is fascinating. Josh, let's finally get to what we want to talk about, TCU and Georgia. Yes. Uh, national championship came tonight. I feel like we've, we've touched on a few things, teased a few things, talked about angles other than the game, like does TCU now kind of have that they're the leaders of the Big 12 going forward, do they take that banner away from a Baylor and an Oklahoma State? Are they uh, ready to take that next step? Is this an anomaly or is this a true disruptor? But I think I think tonight, more than anything else, you can't get blown out. I mean, you you want to win the game, right? But I think you can't have a showing like the national semifinals last year. If we're truly looking at someone that's building something for the future, they're going to be back. I mean, listen, I, I feel like it's also a situation where they do something, and it's like, that's great. What's next? Everyone has this in life and in their job, right? When you finally accomplish a project, you get it done, and you're really happy about it, 
and your boss or someone above you might look and go, that's great. Okay, here, what's next? I kind of feel like we're doing that with TCU and maybe even the Big 12. The Big 12 needs to – they've got to win a playoff game before we take them seriously. And they win a playoff game. It's like, well, now they just – they better not get blown out by Georgia. It's almost as if you're always proving yourself. And I don't know, I just – I think it's going to be a tight game tonight. I know you feel a little differently is there an area where you give TCU any decisive edge at all? Yeah, at quarterback. I think they've got the better quarterback playing tonight. And even though Stetson Bennett's done some really nice things and, and I get uh, what the Heisman ceremony looked like and all that, uh, look, uh, Max Duggan's, to me, the better of the two quarterbacks. Max Duggan was not very good last week either, which is interesting. You know, the this mindset has been thrown out there for some reason that TCU played out of their minds last week to beat Michigan. They had two pick sixes. Um, I don't necessarily know, Josh, if I look at it and say that neither Max Duggan nor TCU played their best offensive foot. Now, they ran the ball extraordinarily well, right? But I just – I don't know, dude. I – I think both teams can play better than what we saw last week. Significantly better. Yeah, I don't think a bunch of Georgia fans are necessarily thrilled, right, with the start-to-finish performance versus Ohio State. But this time of year, man, you just you just win a college football playoff game however you can, whatever. Figure it out once you get to the national championship. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think either, get, either team comes into this game feeling like they just uh, fired on all cylinders versus no. either Ohio State or Michigan. But, again, that doesn't matter, right? It's all about tonight. All about tonight. So, I had quite the, um, I don't want to say back and forth, but just one of those sweet little you're damned if you do, damned if you don't moments on Twitter. And I want to share it with you next right here on The Ref. Okay, I want to share this. like back. It's not even a back and forth. So, on Saturday morning, uh, on Sirius XM, not to promote a competitor, just for context, I was doing a college football preview show. And maybe I should rephrase that, a, a national championship preview show. And every every single kind of angle I could hit, I tried to hit, right? Do you consider TCU a Cinderella? Um if you do, then maybe you looked at Michigan to a certain extent is what they did last year is Cinderella E, right? Unranked and, and showing up in the 14 playoff. Going as far, I think they got a chance to compete. I think it's going to be a fun game. I can't wait. But also in it, realizing you, you, you do have to acknowledge that TCU got some breaks this year, right, Josh? I mean, there is in every road to a championship. There is a break or two that has to go your way. And there was a run. And I'll, I'll just for anyone that wants to say, whoa, sure, oh, you did too. Man, when OU made the playoffs in 15, they caught some breaks down the stretch. They played a lot of backup quarterbacks, right? A lot of backup quarterbacks. But, Josh, TCU knocked a lot of quarterbacks out of the game. And they caught a few breaks in – Against Oklahoma State, got a big break against Kansas State.
caught a massive break against Baylor. And listen, I know how that game started against Oklahoma. It wasn't going well from the start. But we did get an entire half without Dylan Gabriel. And again, I know that wasn't going well. Jalen Daniels got knocked out of the game against Kansas. You know, those are five games right there where it's fair to say they, they caught breaks. Not saying they're lucky, not calling them frauds, but that's something you have to accept, right? This team caught some breaks. And there's no reason to – if I'm a TCU fan listening, I say, yeah, so? So what? We, we, went, and, exactly. we went and won those games, and sure, there were some, some breaks, but uh, did we not make up for any break or any, any wiggle room for are they legit or not? Did we not answer that question resoundingly by the way that we took care of business yeah, in exactly. the college football playoff semifinal versus Michigan? So, dude – Never in in life, professionally, in sports, sorry, no need to apologize. You get a break, no big deal. I don't know if you know this, but uh, guess what? Taylor Swift's family kind of had some cash, right? That helped uh, sell some <laughs> records early on. Doesn't matter. I don't think Taylor Swift's complaining. Yeah, she ain't complaining at all. So here, here was the back end. Here was the, the two different – just to tell you, I laid that out, and I said pretty much the exact same thing you did. Um, here was the first text. Just heard your spat of BS on CFB radio. Makes a lot more sense now that I know you're a Sooner. Didn't know taking two picks to the house was lucky. Didn't know hitting harder than the other team was lucky. Didn't know Michigan needing to call the Philly special because they couldn't figure out TCU's defense was lucky. Bozo. And I'm like, tell me you're not paying attention without paying attention. If you can't accept that TCU got some breaks to get here, that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. And we're not even in a situation where I'm talking about the game last week. I think they thoroughly kicked the ass out of TCU, or out of Michigan. They thoroughly dominated them. And, I mean, I don't know how they let Michigan back in that game that's still one of those you're like, how did that even happen? So th- there's one side of of what I'm what I'm dealing with Josh. Then there is then there is this. Sorry to burst your Big 12 homer bubble. Uh-huh. TCU is not a great team, a lucky average team at best. They did not beat Michigan. Michigan beat Michigan. I do like, think I do think there's an element of truth to some of that, but that's sports, that's football. Teams make mistakes, and who's going to create those mistakes and capitalize off of them? Both can be true, right? TCU made the plays, capitalized on them, and Michigan made some costly errors as well. That's the beautiful thing about playing in big moments. And the only way TCU could shut any of that up is by telling everybody, kiss the ring after they win the national championship tonight. It just cracks me up. It's like literally – I think that, A, you're right. As a TCU fan, you got to embrace and you got to accept some things went your way, right? But that's college football. As, I mean, if they say Michigan couldn't figure out what TCU was doing defensively, I don't necessarily know if I buy that. I think that I buy that Michigan's quarterback played terrible. <laughs> and, listen, they had some dudes that were dudes for TCU. But I just – you need a break here and there, man. Things have got to go your way. 
You create those momentums, if that's even a word. See, that was that was my fun weekend, kind of in a nutshell. I thought you'd be proud of me though, because I didn't reply to either one of them. It's tough, isn't you. it? It's it's tough I, sometimes, this, isn't it? This this young woman that walked by just said she's proud of me. I kept my cool. I didn't respond. You know what I think is happening on the show today, Josh? I think me not having access to the Air Comfort Solutions text line has been the best thing that's happened. I think it's just – I think it's I, – I might – now, here's the problem. Josh never reads your texts. But I I think I might start heading down this path. This has been nice for me today. This has been, you know, breathing in um, the, the fresh air and kind of enjoying just talking about the Sooners Transfer Portal edition and Devon Sears and – what they got last night in the addition of Rondell Bothroyd and being able to talk about a little bit of the NFL in Week 18, touching on some Sooner basketball, getting into TCU Georgia, not really fighting about anything. I kind of been a refreshing hey, day, man. I'm not going to lie. Ricky Bobby style. Don't you put that evil on me. I don't read the text line. I read the text. Well, I mean, it's weird because I see like we're getting them, but I can't see the texts. So it's it's whatever magician put some sort of spell on my computer and phone, I'm just totally not complaining about it right now. I'm just not. All right, it's 1149. We're about to wrap up. We're here at Newcastle Casino. Man, I'd love to invite you out tonight to watch a national championship game at score, uh, Front Row Sports Bar and Grill. Um, our man Jackson has been grinding away. If it wasn't for Jackson, I might have still been sitting here setting up. Uh, an hour after the show had started. So come hang. They've got uh, Gulfstream Park that's running race five right now. You can place a wager on that in the OTB. Uh, Blackjack. You can hear the penny slots going like crazy right in front of us. And, of course, you can watch TCU in Georgia tonight. Breaking news today. We mentioned the Devon Sears update. He is on his way to Oklahoma. New opening in the NFL, Arizona has fired Cliff Kingsbury. Automatically, people have Kingsbury as either the next offensive coordinator for the Patriots or the next offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see. He might not work again with the buyout that he's getting. My, my man's going to get paid. But that adds Arizona to a list of vacancies in the NFL that includes Houston, Denver, Carolina, and Indy. It's Plank Show, live from Newcastle Casino on the Raft. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. You know what I forgot, Josh? Oh, there's another little note, by the way, from the Cardinals. Not only is Cliff Kingsbury gone, but so is Steve Keim. So, dude, there's your spot if you're Sean Payton. Right? If you want to go to a place where you want to be coach and, and have some GM say to, which we all think that's what Sean Payton wants, there's your spot. You don't want to go to Denver because they're not moving on from, I guess I've been saying uh, uh, Patton's wrong, name wrong, it's it's Payton, George Payton, their, their general manager. They're not moving on from him. You know, Indy's not moving on from Chris Ballard. Carolina, may, maybe they would give you more authority there. Because David Gettleman just wants a, or not David Gettleman, um, rich owner's name escapes my mind. But, yeah, I I don't know, man. Arizona would be fascinating now. And it probably, imagine, Sean? probably boils down to how, how does Peyton feel about Kyler, right? I mean, if he thinks that sure. he's a bona fide superstar, then boom, off and running. If he doesn't, then 
it's not going to happen. How does he feel about Russell Wilson? Does he think he can fix him? Does he think that he can go and and suddenly, I mean, Denver's got some dudes now on offense, and, and if he, Williams is healthy? How does he feel about Dak Prescott? I'm telling you right now, if the Cowboys lose in the first round of the playoffs, Mike McCarthy is out. Maybe at all. There is, I mean, maybe if they don't get to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's out. Um, listen, we this has been fun. Fun show. Thanks to Newcastle Casino for having us out. I'm digging my Mondays here at Newcastle. Teddy's going to be out here later this afternoon. Uh, we're located right out in front of Front Row Sports Bar and Grill. I know there's a couple different entrances here to Newcastle because it's just an awesome facility. They've expanded so much. You come in that first entrance and you hang a right, and that's where we'll be chilling all day long. You watch a national championship game here. Um, Devon Sears commits to Oklahoma, so a lot of positives on the show today. Josh, I don't know if you're on again this afternoon with the schedule, but who you got in the national championship game tonight? I'm taking Georgia. I think they're going to win by a couple of scores. I would love to see TCU win. I'm pulling for TCU. Ultimately, a little bit of been there, done that, and flat out, I just think Georgia's better. Yeah. Um, I've got Georgia winning the football game. Um, I've got the Bulldogs 31-28 over TCU. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's a game that we're going to be talking about in depth tomorrow. Josh, have a great Monday night, man. This should be fun. You too, buddy. 37-27, dogs. KJ Kindler joins us to kick off the show tomorrow, plus tons of national championship talk. Steely and Thune at noon are next.